0: This morning we we sang the Apostles' Creed together to confess our faith in our Lord Jesus, our God, and uh, so we'll be looking at Lord's Day 21 this afternoon, and we'll be looking at uh, a couple of the articles that we sang this morning. If you turn to page 493 of your book of praise, in Lord's Day 21 we'll be looking at Article 9 and 10. So, which reads, I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. Let us turn then to Lord's Day 21 in our Heidelberg Catechism. You'll find that on page 535. So, Lord's Day 21. And here the church confesses concerning the scriptures. What do you believe concerning the holy Catholic Christian church? Answer I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself by his word or his spirit and word in the unity of the true faith a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. Question answer 55. What do you understand by the communion of saints? Answer, first, that believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. Question answer 56. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? Answer, I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, nor my sinful nature, Against which I have to struggle all my life, but will graciously grant me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never come into condemnation. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is Sunday, and on Sundays, we have the privilege and opportunity to come and gather here together at Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. Each of us individually have entered through the doors of the church and found a place to sit for worship. But why? Why? There are, in this world, many religions and clubs that meet together, groups of people gathering together for various reasons and interests. What sets our church apart from the world? What makes our community different? Many would suggest that there is no difference between the church and any other social gathering. They would argue that those of us who have come to gather here this afternoon do so out of need for community, a most basic and primal need for humans. The church is thought to be, in effect, a place that serves our needs, raising the question, what can I get out of church? This is a grievous lack of understanding of the church. The scriptures reveal the true purpose of the church. The Bible tells us of Jesus' incredible love for his sheep, the church, and what he has done for her so she will be securely in his hand forever. This gospel message will be proclaimed this afternoon under this theme and points. Our theme this afternoon is the church is a community Chosen by God for everlasting life with him. And we'll look at three points. Our first, claimed for eternal life. Second, united for eternal life. And third, sealed for eternal life. Our first point then, claimed for eternal life. Beloved, our triune God is sovereign. In his sovereignty, he has chosen who are his sheep and who are not. Scripture tells us that God chose his sheep before the foundations of the world. In love, he predestined some for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 5. Those chosen are forever destined to enter into a covenant relationship with God, set apart from the world as a holy flock for him. Through Jesus Christ, the sheep have been claimed. The Son of God who sits enthroned in heaven carries out this divine plan of election over time. It is he who gives the sheep eternal life. Whoever believes in him will never perish, and will forever remain in the hand of the Good Shepherd. And how does the Good Shepherd, the Son of God, claim his sheep for everlasting life? We confess in Lord's Day 21 that he does so by his spirit and word. Jesus Christ gathers, defends, and preserves For himself, his sheep, by his spirit and word. The good shepherd gathers in his sheep. He gathers them in by calling them by name. John 10, verse 3. He calls them, and they hear his voice, and they come to him. They know his voice because they belong to him. And where does his voice lead his sheep? His voice leads his sheep into the sheepfold, into the church. Jesus actively calls out to his sheep, calling them to come to him. And this is why our shepherd says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there there will be one flock, one shepherd, Jesus not only calls, but also brings the sheep into his one true universal church. All come together before him as one flock. They are eager to be in his presence and protection. Beloved church, here we are gathered this afternoon. Rams, ewes, And young lambs called brought and gathered together as his flock some of us have been listening to his voice for many years and some of us may be listening for the very first time our Lord Jesus called each one of us here by name personally You may have thought that you came to church this afternoon because you made the decision to come. But that is not the case. We, on our own, would not make such a decision. If it were up to us, we would still be scattered about, wandering around aimlessly on the hillsides. We enter the door of the sheepfold only by him. John 10, verse 9. He calls us, he brings us, and we enter by him. We may not know all the finer details of how God brought us here, but we are here in the sheepfold. Even if we came for our own selfish reasons, the shepherd still brought us here. It is all him, and there is no room for our own pride. Without Jesus' voice calling the sheep, there would be no flock. The church would not exist without Jesus actively working by His Spirit and Word in the hearts of His sheep. And this is all according to God's divine plan. This is why we arrived here this afternoon We are not choosing God. God is choosing us. To him belongs all the praise for his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 6. What love the good shepherd has shown that he has directed us here in his presence with purpose. And what purpose is that? For the purpose of granting us everlasting life. The church, us as a flock, have been set apart, chosen by God for a glorious inheritance. Christ's Spirit is given to each of us, and by His Spirit, He has drawn us to sit under the preaching of His Word. It is here where our faith grows and flourishes as we feast in the pasture of the Good Shepherd. As Romans 10, verse 17 reads, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. True faith in Christ comes from the Holy Spirit, working in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. God uses messengers of the word to save his chosen people for everlasting life. This is why, for example, he sent Jonah to the great Assyrian city, Nineveh. It was God's divine choice to save the people of Nineveh. He directed Jonah to call the people to repentance, and they repented of their evil ways. Brothers and sisters, we confess that through Christ's active ministry, we are and forever shall remain living members of the church. As sheep, he tagged us as his own. God's covenant relationship is through him, and he mercifully gathers us to himself. And now that we have been gathered together together, We notice that the fruit of God's divine work is the forming of a community. And in our second point, we will notice how communion with Christ leads to communion with one another. Our second point then, united for eternal life. God holds his sheep in his hand and as living members of the sheepfold we are destined for everlasting life. We may be sitting here as individuals but when we look around there are many of us here this afternoon. There are some we know well and some that we don't know as well. There are some that are older and some that are younger. Some are doing well, while others are not doing so well. There are those who are born and raised in Canada. There are some that are here that are from overseas. Such a diverse group. And here we are today, all sitting together in church, in Emmanuel. Isn't it incredible how God has brought us all here together this Sunday afternoon? But who else is in God's hand? We confess that the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church from the beginning of the world to its end. That means next to to us in God's hand are also Adam and Eve, Father Abraham, Rahab, Ruth, King David, the people of Nineveh, the Apostle Paul, and many others. All the saints that have gone before us are with us in his hand. Plus, more are being added from around the world, possibly as we, we, as we even speak here this, evening, this afternoon. All of us gathered by God for his purpose, everlasting life with him. All undeserving men and women on whom God, our almighty creator, chose out of the whole human race to display his love and mercy. The Son of God has claimed each one of us. He has done so, as we mentioned earlier, by his spirit and word. It is also by this means that he has united us all together. There is one flock one shepherd there is also one eternal spirit and one faith this means there is one covenant one baptism and one god and father of all ephesians 4 verse 4 through 6 the same spirit dwells in each of us and we are united by one faith in jesus christ through the work of the Spirit, a triangle forms. Christ, others, and ourselves. And there is communion occurring between all three. This morning we could rejoice in the wonderful fellowship that takes place between us and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We were greatly nourished by our Lord at his table by physically and visibly taking part in communion with him. A spiritual blessing that we were able to enjoy together. With the eating of the bread and drinking of the cup, he reminded us of his death on the cross. And through his spirit, this sacrament strengthened our faith. With a strengthened and nourished faith by Christ's active spirit, active fellowship among the sheep, is possible and this is what is meant by being living members it is our duty to be active within the church God in his love has set us apart from the world and has brought us together forever now we in love must serve one another although each one of us is given the same spirit, our gifts are not all the same. It is necessary then that we use the gifts we have received for the benefit and well-being of other sheep. Perhaps you have watched sheep in a pen or in a pasture before. And when sheep, when they sense danger, like when a wolf is nearby, they tend to group together. They do so for their own protection and for the common good of the flock, providing safety for one another by sticking close together. And this is how we are to function as a church. Our church, then, is not a social club that serves our needs, but rather it is where we must use our gifts for the benefits and well-being of other members, selflessly serving One another in love. Consider the early church. Shortly after Pentecost, once they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they believed and all things, and they had all things in common. And we read this in Acts chapter 2, verse 45 through 47. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. As they had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord was blessing the early church's devotion to Him and each other. This devotion was leading to some being saved. The early Christians used what was gifted to them for the eternal well-being of the sheep. Our gifts must be used for the same purpose. If, If a member of the church is being swayed by the world, those who are gifted spiritually must urge him or her to return to the safety of the flock. Also, those who are wise during that time can offer wisdom, and those who are knowledgeable can offer knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Those who are gifted with social qualities can be hospitable, inviting others into their homes so they know they belong. Those who are gifted with, such, with much wealth can help those who have less wealth. And we all can sympathize with each other's weaknesses, praying for one another, while also rejoicing with those who rejoice. Together as a church, we have been blessed with many gifts. Do not be selfish with your gifts, but use them readily and cheerfully for the eternal well-being of the other sheep. God holds his sheep in his hand, Chosen by him according to his good pleasure. They are not still, but actively protecting one another. Like the sheep in the pen huddling together because of the wolf. Yet sometimes the presence of danger gives us a sense of great insecurity. We may think, God holds me in his hand But what if I slip through his fingers? Beloved, in our third point we will learn, once claimed by Christ, forever claimed by Christ. This will bring us to our third point, sealed for eternal life. We've said it many times already, God holds his sheep in his hand. And later we will sing the well-known hymn, Loving Shepherd of Thy Sheep. And in this hymn we will sing that none can pluck them from his hand. This echoes Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 28. No one will snatch them out of my hand. His sheep will remain in his hand forever. But we don't always feel this way. Our sins and shortcomings can often bring about doubt. It can even lead us to question our salvation. We may ask, is it really possible? I have done and said and thought some terrible things in my life. How can I be sure that I am a member of his flock, the flock that God holds in his hand? Only by his given spirit can we be sure. His given spirit assures us that we share in Christ and all his benefits, all his treasures and gifts. Recall what we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. In him, that is Christ, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, The gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's think again to this morning's celebration of our Lord's Holy Supper. Our Lord directed our hearts to trust in his perfect sacrifice offered on the cross where he poured out his blood and sacrificed his body so that whoever would believe in him would receive eternal life. John 3 3 verse 16. God's wrath demanded payment and the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of god second corinthians 5 verse 21 what joy and comfort it is for us that god's wrath is no longer upon us christ made us right before god so we would no longer stand in condemnation before him and we are not simply declared innocent, but righteous. And this is God's purpose for his chosen sheep. He chose us in Christ so that we should be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1 verse 4. This word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, is sealed With the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised to us. And the Lord never breaks his promises. He is faithful. He guarantees everlasting life. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Our Lord Jesus preserves his chosen people, his church, by giving them his spirit. He does this by continually working in our hearts, sanctifying us, making us holy before God, and he remains in us forever, guaranteeing that his work will never cease. This is a great comfort and joy for us and leads us to to a life of holiness and repentance of sins before God. And notice how personal the answer of question 56 is. Or the answer of 56 is I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins nor my sinful nature, against which I have to struggle all my life, but will graciously grant me. Sinful me, the righteousness of God of Christ, that I may never come into con- condemnation. You can be comforted that God will graciously forgive your sins and remember them no more when you ask for forgiveness. First John chapter one verse nine. So the call is here: repent. And believe, repent of your sins, and believe that in Jesus Christ your sins are forgiven. When we call upon our Lord and confess our sins, we are assured that they are forgiven, because this is His promise for us who are called into His flock. Acts two verse thirty nine. God promises that in that in Christ we are made holy. And blameless. This ought to cause us to cling to follow the Good Shepherd and praise Him for laying down His life for us. We are so securely in His hand that no one will ever be able to snatch us from Him. Once in the sheepfold, forever in the sheepfold, by God's grace. Brothers and sisters, as we entered into church this afternoon, we entered into the rich pastures of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. He called us each by name to come, and we listened to his call. Along with other sheep, we ate and had our fill in the presence and protection of the Good Shepherd. We enjoyed communion with him, And each other a time of blessed fellowship. We can rejoice that our Lord has claimed us by his spirit and word and has led us here for the preservation of everlasting life with him. This is not a social club or another religious center. No, this is Christ's church, which he paid for with his precious blood. This is where the Holy Spirit works. There is no other community like her. To him be the glory and honor forever, amen.